Jordan Fletcher, how the heck you doing, my man? Are, are we are we rolling? I think we're rolling. Yeah, oh, heck yeah I think we're dude. actually we're actually rolling. Sweet that was the most casual. Like, yeah, dude. Sweet <laughs> he boy. just goes, all right, and you go, Jordan <laughs> Fletcher. I'm like, what? Yeah, well, you've been you've been doing a lot of the the interview thing, the radio tour thing. That's just been how long you've been doing that now. It's been I haven't seen you. It feels like a year, maybe a year and a half. So last time I saw you. Yeah, it's been a minute. We've been doing this radio thing for a like since. Man, like April. So it's just been nonstop. Just yeah, just they tell you where to go and they send yeah, you man. out there. And, and 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 if it does, you know, it's honestly the the better it does, the more you do because you go back and you do these yeah. different uh, radio stations and play shows and whatever. Um, so yeah, it's been fun, but it's been busy for sure. Yeah, because I've heard the radio tour grind is different from the regular tour grind because you you've been used to the you've been doing the the regular tour grind as a as a as a musician, as an opener, like going out doing doing your own thing for yeah. for years now. That's how you and I first met yeah. was on the road. Six years. I've been road dogging it for six years in one way or another. <laughs> yeah, like I started with Job. Like I'd been in town for a couple months. So twenty sixteen. I got on the road with Job Fortner playing drums. And then uh I did that for like six months and then mes- met, met met Gary and Charlie. And so I did that for years before I got off the road with them. So how does that how does that kind of grind of and then you doing your your own stuff, which is how we we had met from mm-hmm. when you were out doing 2019, yeah. um, when things really really started started clicking and happening. Um, yeah. How does that kind of how does the show grind compare to the radio tour grind? Dude, it's a whole different world. I didn't expect it to be that way, but it's like, um, you know, you kind of have like your schedules like. For if you're doing the weekend warrior thing, you leave on Thursday or Friday or whatever. And, you know, if you've got a travel day, it's a travel day. And if you're waking up early to go to a show, you know that, like, you know, you're, you've got sound check and everything, and you can kind of build up to the whatever show it is. Yeah. But with, like, radio tour, it's like there were days that we were doing three shows a day to where it was, like, literally three airplanes, like, in different parts of the country. So it was crazy. It was like you're getting up at 4.30 in the morning, and that's, you know, 4.30, you know, no one likes that. And then you get to where you're going and you're meeting these new people uh, and you're making good impressions, but it's like, it's still, you have to, you know, be on like as a, like as an artist and you have to be engaging and you have to, you can't just be like dead, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, you, you play, so you have to perform and then you have to decompress and then you play another one after lunch and do the same thing multiple different times and then you just go to a hotel room and just like pass out. So it was like a mental game and a physical game. It was weird. Like I did not expect it to be as tough as it was. And and my label was super considerate of me because I was like, man, I, I want to get home every week to see my family. Yeah. You know, and because and, a lot of times artists will be gone for weeks at a time. Yeah, uh, which which is, and then is it just you out there? Is it yeah. like the different regional reps or? Do they, oh yeah, do they so re- yeah, so the regional reps. Yeah, I'll go um, to the different areas with the different reps, but uh, it's just me and the and the and the guitar for for the performance part of it. 
So just you just fly. So, you, so have you developed a a favorite airline and a least favorite airline from all these flights that you've been taking? I don't know. I've heard horror stories of certain. Yeah, man. Like I, uh, I like I see you've got the you've got the guitar in the travel case. Like that's how I know you've been you've been flying around. Yeah, like, that doesn't leave it. To be honest, the guitar yeah. doesn't leave that travel case. Yeah, it's, that's a heavy. That's the heavy duty one. Like, yeah, I know Trey just got one of those because he's like, man, I don't want I don't want this airline fucking with my guitar. You know. <laughs> So he we had we went out and got him that that heavy that heavy duty one. So is there what, have you had any like like flight horror stories? Because you no went, flight horror stories. It's just like some this year was weird, man. Like some of the best airlines that I've gone like, but I mean I don't know because now I I have like a good gauge of like I was like I was flying, dude. I probably took like sixty flights this year. I don't know. Like it's ridiculous, right? So I did that. So it's like now I actually get to see the ugly truth of like airlines and like dude some of the airlines like delta was screwing up bro like delta's supposed to be like the best yeah i'm not trying to throw shade but i'll throw shade man do you have rewards points with certain airlines now? i'm sure i do i don't know i was gonna say you gotta stock up the reward points take I, i'd say southwest for what i'm doing southwest is the best man american definitely is it, they've come a long way too because they'll do like a free check but like southwest is two free check bags and if you have your guitar they don't act like it's some foreign object they've never seen before yeah everyone else is like what is this thing and i was like it's a guitar <laughs> i mean it's just, like you've been around right yeah. like that's what this is and yeah. like, every, like so many different yeah favorite, but southwest like yeah that'll be fine favorite mm -hmm. favorite um in flight snacks did you take a flight that was long enough to get the meal? Remember back in the day when they used to give you like whole ass meals on there? Yeah, but I mean, now they give you like nothing. Or your your flight's so quick. Yeah, a lot of them. I mean, there. I mean, I would go east to west coast. So that's four hours. So like we've done plenty of that. But um, I will say, I know I just threw shade at Delta, but they got those uh, biscotti or whatever. Oh, it is. dude, those little cookies are Ooh, the best. Yeah, you get two of them. Those little so, ginger shortbread things. Yeah. And like I think I have some in my backpack right now, just like that's a that's a travel that's a true traveling yeah. man right there. Yeah, you, man, you, I got them, and and you just get you. some coffee and you dunk them. And oh, dude, the, the dude, best. like grandma style, straight grandma, up, grandma yeah. style for sure, the best. <laughs> Is there a favorite place that you've been, like where you were, where you didn't know what to expect? Because you're from Florida, but you've traveled mm -hmm. around the country for for years doing the music thing. But right when you do the radio tour thing, you're getting to see it from a different angle. Is there a city or a or a place that was like? Oh damn! I didn't think I was gonna like this place as much as I did. Um, that's a tough one because so much of it was just going and meeting people. Oh, so you didn't leave? So it was just a going lot of to it was station. just kind of in and out. So to answer your question, I'm not answering it right, but my favorite place to travel was uh, L.A. But I knew I was gonna like just for like the surfing purposes more than anything else. Did you get to go surfing? When I you were did. Out there? We had one day where uh, one of the stations had to reschedule, and and they added the song. So they rescheduled, and they added the song. So I had a free day. I went to Huntington Surf and Sport, which I've gone multiple times. Anytime I go to LA, I go over there, and they rent me a board, and uh, I just got to go surfing. That had to be like such needed decompression too, from just the going and going. Like to have yeah. the off day, they added the song, so the goal oh, was been a win. achieved. Yeah. And then you're in like surfing mecca, like yeah. out in California, dude. It was unreal, and I got a pokeball, which is like my favorite thing right now, dude. That's what Bonner likes, isn't it? Isn't it, McElwain? The poke the pokeballs. I think that's what he likes. Yeah, our buddy Trey, our buddy Trey Bonner raves mm -hmm. about the poke balls. Dude, it's like the best thing. Do, we, do you get them here in Nashville? Yeah, there's a place called Poke Bros. I'm gonna go right after this. Because like it's, like it's like here in 
Well, you can get bad ones though. Like, like you have to like kind of try them all out. Because I went to one. I forget where it was. It was like too sweet. And when you're messing with raw fish, dude, you just don't want it to no. be wrong. It's got to be right. You yeah, know what I mean. And this place, Poke Bros, is like great every time. Yeah, and getting a Poke Bowl along the coast has to just hit different. Like oh, when you're in, on the West Coast, their their Asian cuisine is just unmatched. Oh. So yeah, it's like a Hawaiian style thing. That's the closest you can get, you know, to Hawaii, I guess. The California coast. Yeah. I mean, at least as far as like mainland US is concerned. Uh, but yeah, dude, that was great. I love LA. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. I've only been out there. I've only been to San Diego. I haven't done LA yet. Uh-huh. But as, as a New Yorker, I do want to go just to compare the differences. I know it's a very different pace. Have you had to do a show in New York City? I've got, yeah, I've gotten to do a few of them. Uh, how, we did one most recent that was like a lot of fun. How chaotic is it? So it was more like an industry show that I did. Well, I'm just saying just getting into New York City and just the hustle and bustle or like having to drive Man, a van it's not a worse. It's not worse. Dude, honestly, the I haven't, done, I haven't done a trailer. I haven't done a bus in a trailer. I haven't done like a van in a trailer or a bus in a trailer. I've just taken the train and as, a, as like living there, like growing yeah. up there. I've never had to like really go in there with on like touring. Dude, honestly, it wasn't uh, the show that we recently played. A lot of it was just like we flew in and we just got a big old Uber. And it just like took us where we were going, and we had backlined some stuff, so it was like a modified show. But the the sketchiest time was when I was following Gary and Charlie when I had that camper on the bed of my truck. Oh yeah, you had one of those. You had Dude. the camper that later got passed down to Chad Bishop. That's right. I don't know, where it's, I don't know if Chad still has Chad it. Chad still has it. Oh sick. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I drugged that bad boy into New York City, found one of those. You know those like dry like where they'll park your car like. Have you seen that? Yeah. Like they lift it. Like they have like these slots. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I parked the car in there. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I was like, hey, I need to park my rig in your <laughs> parking cubby. I don't know what it is. Like what do you call it? It looks like, like cubby holes for like your shoes when you're like a kid. But yeah, they have like a big th- crane that like put your car in there. And they were like, yeah, no big deal. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be back in like 20 hours. It was like by the hour kind of deal because I guess it's just so expensive to park yeah. a car there. We played a show. I come back like 20 hours later. It was like, yeah, it's like 250 bucks. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah, it was just kind of, it's kind of crummy because it was just so expensive. Yeah. So you drove that truck. Oh, yeah. just, I've done that multiple just times. Just you with the By camper on the back. Because oh, I remember yeah. Nikki T with Ray's Rowdy doing a, did a video of it, like a tour. The Cribs, the MTV Cribs style The MTV thing. Cribs <laughs> yeah. of the, of the in-the-bed camper. Yeah, dude, Fletch Carlton. Like, so you, so how would that work? You just would go wherever, instead yeah. of getting a hotel room, you would just go. Now, would you go, drive to the next city after the show, or would you just stay in the parking lot? or I would get down the road. What? So I, Planet Fitness, for sure. The, Plan- Planet, oh, the yeah, showers, baby. The black yeah. card, dude. You get that, you can go to any Planet Fitness, you get a workout if you're still jittery, because undoubtedly you had a couple bang energy drinks on your way. Oh, if you were with Muscanine, I used to drink. A thousand percent. I, dude, I used to drink two or three of those a day when you're, I was with Gary and Charlie. How's like, the heart? It's good now. I've been I haven't done it in like <laughs> yeah, almost two taking. years, but dude, I was drinking. That's dangerous, bro. To, I was drinking so many of those things. Yeah, I feel like they've kind of chilled out, like promoting it, probably because of the health problems. Yeah, they're like trying to like, hey, maybe we shouldn't push this so yeah, hard. Yeah, dude. I mean, it used to just I would, but I but I, I would never go to the gym with them because I'd have to be at the merch table. Like, right. When you're doing the merch guy thing, as you know, yeah, you, you you're there. You don't really get the time. You just 
when you between when you get there and doors and all that when doors are going you're you're on you have to be working but i guess they would decompress from like you were saying when you're on the bang you just go to the gym and work it out of your system yeah man it's even if it's like three in the morning because i would do that i would get on the road head where i was going because it was just me and then i would park in in planet fitness i go work out take a shower brush my teeth and hop in the hop in the camper and just wake up in the morning and and finish the drive so i mean that was kind of my my process the whole time and it and it made it it made it pretty reasonable honestly like i would suggest anybody to do that you know what i mean like yeah. if you're trying to save some money and actually tour with you know opener budget yeah yeah because it's because it is that opener budget is a is a grind man yeah it's it's slim you know so it's like if you can do it and just pay for gas you might break even i mean because hotels are 100 you know yeah what were some of your merch selling tactics from back in the day? I did. Did you I have sucked. any tactics? I was so bad. Dude. You had to have some tactics. Like I do the, I do the. I put the boyfriend or the husband. I used to put the boyfriend or the husband on the spot and be yeah. like, "Is she really your porch swing angel?" Dang. And then the guy would look at me like, "Oh, screw, like, like, fuck you, man." <laughs> and the girl would be like looking at him like, "Well, am I?" And then he'd buy like everything. That dude, that's genius. No, I didn't do that. I. If I made Gary and Charlie any money, I'd have been surprised. I was such a bad merch guy, dude. I was the worst. Dude, I, I, I think I have like six or seven shirts that I just like took because I forgot to bring enough clothes. <laughs> and I couldn't wear the same shirt three days in a row for different shows. And so like I had like three of those. Like the old original blue. Yeah. No, like the blue one with the, with the fly fishing rod. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, the fly yeah. rod, the, um, the WD-40 shirt. Yeah, with, dude. It's like the black, where it's like the gray. <laughs> yeah. They have a, they, they trade, like there were, they had a lot of, a lot of shirts that were, they did a good job with their, with that merch. And they still do to oh, this yeah, day. Dude. And the, and their crowd just buys so much of it. Yeah, man, they've the got brand, a great, the Brandy Hewitts and the Lauren Ford. You know, you know the, the miners, yeah, dude. dude. Yeah, they're killing it. But no, I guess my only tactic was I used to uh, um, take their CDs, like their physical CDs, and I would like do a little rainbow. I'd spread it like that on the on the thing, and then I would like move one like that much to it was like perfect, and then one was like kind of screwed up because anytime like without fail, someone would walk by and they'd have to fix it, and then they'd like look at it and I'd be like, "You want that?" And they'd be like, "Yeah," and they'd be like, "All right." So that was like my only thing. That is a good little. That is yeah, a, good a little move. psycho there. You know, I mean, just psychoanalyst. Yeah. You know, just seeing. Yeah. Now with with the tray stuff, because I I still help out with on the merch side. In addition to doing the TM thing, I'm doing probably like wearing like five six different hats within the a lot of hats. the tray kit. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of hats, but all all of us do within the camp. Mm. Um and um, but it's like to go from selling the the musket iron like porch swing angel kind of stuff to the the dick down in dallas stuff is that a whole different vibe oh dude i can say whatever the whatever the hell i want to these people and like <laughs> you can be raunchy you can be rowdy we had nikki t on the road with us last week to uh we brought him the blind horse saloon yeah and the coyote joe's he did a thing Heck called yeah. rowdy on the road and he basically documented a weekend on the road with us and of course we bring him to two of the rowdiest places yeah in the that's country. like viva la bam but for country yeah, touring and it's nikki t who'd never been there but as you know is Dude, like the great. king of concerts and and content and partying and stuff and i had him so much he's like man what do i say to these people i'm like dude say whatever you say want whatever you want and he, and get some stuff off your chest like really <laughs> yeah, get, some get some of that anger out man <laughs> yeah, just, just they'll take it, it man don't worry about yeah. it yeah do you have like a favorite room that you've gotten to play or or a place dude i know this yeah i mean 
The obvious one is the Opry. That was pretty yeah, dope. That, that, yeah, the Opry <coughs> debut. Yeah, lots happened since I've, since we last had. Well, but it's been three years. Out. You don't yeah. think about 2019 was three years ago, bro. <laughs> Which is, oh, it's an, I have a kid. I have a child. <laughs> yeah, last time we I were have a two year old child. Last bro. time we had me, you, and Tyler were talking about sushi and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Cooking. And now yeah. you got a child. Now I have so, a kid. So the Opry, of, of course. But for me, moment. literally any like honky tonk style venue. So like the eight second saloons, the yeah, Wendell's Dippin' Ranch, like, Wendell's, like, yeah, everywhere, oh, yeah. bro. Anywhere that's like, there is a dance floor, and it smells like Fabuloso when you first get there. Yes, and like your feet stick to the carpet. You know what I mean? Like your shoes do. Like that's like, it's, I don't know. It's just my favorite. I don't, maybe it's just like nostalgia from like how I first started touring. It was like those were always like the most fun shows. Um. But yeah, any any place like that is always my favorite. Yeah, that's what I like too. The rowdier, yeah, the better. Because to me, it's and it's a lot of those rooms, and it's like in the southeast, you have a lot of them. Um, yeah. I mean, they they really do have them all over the country. But for me, it's like the the pinnacles of like the the Coyote Joes, the Cotton Eye Joes, Joes on Weed, all the Joes places. Yeah, are Joe, always, yeah are Joe, always great. Um, Joes in Rosemont. Yeah, yeah, Joes in uh, Joes in Rosemont. Um, they're always those those venues are always a lot of fun compared but theaters are fun too and like really well i mean it's just a different environment i like the crowd being into it personally. well I, I i have fun at both of those theaters are like are, are are a lot of fun for me because one of my favorite things to do is just kind of like have a song tell the story and then sing it like that's my favorite thing to do write a song go somewhere doesn't matter who it is tell you about it and then play it for you and so it's like, I feel like a theater really uh, accommodates that really well. You know what I mean? So it's like you get to kind of have more of like an undivided attention thing, kind of a listening room vibe. But yeah. then also if you want to rock out, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I do like theaters too. It's hard, man. It's hard to say that, like what room you like the best because so much of it has to do with the crowd. Yeah. And I mean? the crowd can be different each time you go through there. Yeah. And it doesn't really, it, I mean, definitely one is more conducive to something yeah. than the other, but it's like, if your crowd's into it, they're into it. It doesn't matter. Do you ever go to the blue room in Statesboro, Georgia? Sure have. Yeah. So Absolutely. That, yeah. That to me is on the list of, <laughs> yeah, dude. and you were with, that was back. I'm guessing that was back with Gary and Charlie. Um, no, Job. I think I've done all of the above. I think I've done all of the above. I've been there so many times. <laughs> I've sold merch there. I've played drums there. I've sang my own songs there. <laughs> you know, I might as well own the place. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that to me is one of one of my like just favorites because again, the crowd is just absurd, and the yeah, kids man. just love the music. Yeah. And it's and it's fun, like when you're, especially in your early days of touring, when you go to some rooms and it's like, yeah. shit is wild. Oh yeah, <laughs> Statesboro's a. No, it definitely is, and they've like redone that room a few times. I think. Yeah, the right? town of I've heard from like from JD Groover and a lot of the guy, a lot of the South Georgia guys that Statesboro used to be like. To me, it's one of the wilder places that you can go now. But back yeah. in the day, it used to be a lot wilder. Like, and it, yeah. it has changed. I could over see there. that though. I could see that, and I think there's a few of those that are just throughout like different college towns that just they take it there. You know, like. My wife went to Florida State. So oh, Tallahassee's great. Yeah, Tallahassee's a blast, man. And it is that. And and like it stays true. You yeah. Know? It keeps it keeps the the reputation going. But I think Statesboro's similar. It's a little bit smaller of a school, but like geez, they get after it, dude. They do. They sure do. <laughs> that's uh that's a one one of a kind place. Now since 
last episode we did, like you said, three years ago, you've had a lot of a lot of big things happen. Obviously, mm-hmm. the record deal. I think at that point you had signed at Seagale. Yeah, so I've been at Seagale since 2018 or 2017. Yeah, so you were you had had the deal at Seagale at that point, which which sounds like that's all. Yeah, man, going awesome, man. What a yeah. what a crew. Yeah, over dude. there to get to be a part of they're so good man and they're and they're some some of the best just people you know i've been blessed to have like some really great folks work with me and and let me be part of their 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 uh system man like seagale jd he's been uh my guy for the longest time and you know it, it's just like as you know this industry is all about people yeah. willing to invest in you and kind of take a chance and uh he was really like one of the first dudes to really like kind of make that happen you know gary charlie you know that all was pretty early on in my in my career or time here in nashville and so yeah man they've just always cared and it's like it's always been beyond like you know what i can give because the answer is like nothing because like so yeah. much of it is them just like believing in, in one thing or another about what's going on with what i'm doing um but yeah seagale's awesome man I uh we've got some great songs and and I just I love where I'm I'm where I'm at as a writer right now. Yeah. And I've got uh, you know I I can I, I thank them for so much of that, you know. Yeah, and and this uh this this project which is half of the full project, right? Yeah. yeah. So chapter 1, um you talk a lot about your dad in there. How mm-hmm. big of a how big of a role was was is is kind of the story of of growing up and 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 the family dynamic for for you and and telling telling that story and having that message in there with a song like Firebird with death and taxes and, and yeah. like dude the stuff just just good vibe just easy listening like it, it makes you feel something when you listen to it me and Nikki T yeah, were jamming man. out to it we're jamming out to it a bunch last night we were we were driving around getting into our usual shenanigans Heck yeah. but for but but for you like the story of talking about your dad your dad passing and and yeah. and and firebird and all that stuff how important is that stuff to you well man i uh it's i'm it's integral into who i am you know and i think for me that this whole album has been just it it, like for lack of a better word therapy you know what i mean because i didn't know it was going to be an album i didn't know i was going to have a record deal when i was writing it i didn't know it was going to be a project i was just kind of writing these songs you know what i mean and um like because i thought i was moving back to florida when COVID hit Really? You know? Oh, 100%. My my first publishing deal with Seagale was up, and we found out Kelly was pregnant, and we didn't know, like, nobody was cutting anything, and I didn't have a ton to, like, that would make sense for me to negotiate, like, a like not to say my deal was bad, but, you know, beginner deals are beginner deals. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to develop as a writer and get more stuff, and then it can expand and, and kind of facilitate more, more going on, but, like, I was just in the spot where I just didn't have a ton happening. And then COVID hit, and I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this up. And so I was kind of getting my head around the fact that we were going to move back to Florida. And I was like, well, while I'm here, I might as well tell my story. you know. And so that was where that all came from. It was just literally me trying to tell a story to my son because you know, he was just born. He wasn't even born when I really started writing it. And, and I just wanted to have something to kind of give him if he was like, hey, man, why, did, why was I born in Nashville, Tennessee? Yeah. You know? just something it was it was really cathartic and then it just so happened that triple tigers thought it was something worth investing in and we got to do this album with dave cobb and it's been sick man what is what is that like working with a guy like like dave cobb that's been around the block for a while and just been yeah it's insane man it was it was super super cool 
like uh I, I was realizing like at the time it was like that was like the stuff that he was producing was really the only stuff I was listening to. And that's really what got me into loving country music, you know, again, you know, I think a lot of people growing up in the South, like you're, I mean, at least for me, like I was, you know, anytime I got in my mom's car, or my aunt's car, it was, you know, Brad Paisley or Toby Keith or whoever, you know what I mean? And it was like, so I was listening to all that, yeah. Uh, but that was like what my parents were listening to, you know what I mean? So I was like kind of finding other stuff and then it wasn't until I got back into college that I was really diving into like you know I mean Ryan Nelson got me really he he really got me into writing because he was doing that whole thing and he'd always been in like hardcore bands and then he started kind of diving more back into country music and I remember he made an album when we were all in college and I I was like dude this is sick how do you like write songs and so we kind of like dove into that but yeah it was like that's what I dove into when I was got back into country music, like Jason Isbell. I mean, Stapleton, when he came out, I remember when that happened, it was like mind blowing. Yeah. And Trav- it was like, Traveler's a one, one of a kind album. 100%, it's, it's, man. It's 20 years of his Nashville story. Yeah. And then Sturgill, like that was the soundtrack of college for me. Yeah. Like my cousin and I, we used to go to this old, it's called Pete's Bar in Neptune Beach. And it's the oldest bar in, in like, I think in, in Jacksonville or in that area. And we would play bumper pool. And drink, you know, whatever, Bud Heavies. Yeah. And ha- they had a jukebox, and we just spin that Meta Modern Sounds. So it was like, it was kind of like a f- full circle thing to where it was like, I didn't think I'd get to work with, with him. And when the label like brought it up and, and he was into it, I was like, heck yeah, man. And, yeah. and it was just, it was super, it was super cool. And the way he does stuff is so different, and it's just so raw, and and that that whole thing, it was it was a, a really cool experience. And it sounds like he let you be you, which is a big thing too, for sure. Yeah, well, and and I had to play. I I, I say I had to, like you have to, like I had to step up in a lot of ways because it was like I was playing like the acoustic parts. I was obviously I was singing, and it was just like so much. It was, uh, like it was it was raw, man. It was, so much of it was like on the spot live recording. And then, like, if we were overdubbing stuff, I'd go play the electric guitar parts or then do the harmonies, which is something that I've just, like, never done. Yeah. And he was like, we're going to sit here until you get these harmonies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so he just, like, really pushed me to be, you know, what I could be. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. super cool. Yeah. Now, talk about the the whirlwind of of Meon, of you putting that out and you writing that song mm-hmm. and... Because I remember when that when that was kind of going on, because that was mm. right before COVID, right? Yeah. And I remember that kind of, that kind of, the, the town the town was talking about it, and yeah. What what looking back on that, the kind of the craziness of that. Well, that was wild too, because it was like one of the first times I'd written something that I'd gotten like outside interest in. <clears throat> so I uh, was writing with Reed Isbell. Um, who's just an incredible songwriter and it yeah. was, but it was the first time I'd ever met him. And so we were at Seagale and I remember I didn't have a title or nobody, nobody had anything. And we just kind of sat down and I think I had that guitar lick and, uh, we just kind of started writing from top to bottom, like verse, like through, you know what I mean? Which is kind of uncommon sometimes. And so we got kind of halfway through this chorus and we're like, man, where's this thing going? And I remember I'd brought some homemade mashed potatoes and uh, I heated them up, and I guess that gave us the fuel we needed because we finished the rest of the song like it just poured out. And I remember we we you know 
put it down on a voice memo and he turned it into Jonathan Singleton and I, I turned it into to Seagale and JD was in meetings so he hadn't heard it yet and I remember Jonathan reached out like before the end of the day was like yo who's this guy and what's going on with the song and JD's like I haven't even listened to it yet he's like listen to it and so it just kind of immediately like when you got someone like Jonathan Singleton being like yo what's this everybody's yeah. like well what is that right and so um it got a lot of attention and and I remember I, I like JD like called me into the office and I was like I was like man I could cut this song he goes I could pitch this song and I was like dude I really want this song you know don't don't give it away <clears throat> which is a it's a terrible way to to try and be a songwriter if you're trying to keep all your your, your best ones yeah but if you're trying to be an artist well and like yeah. that song means something to you but you got to get something going you yeah. gotta you know it's gotta you gotta have something going but you know i was young and i was like man i just i was like don't don't pitch it don't pitch it don't pitch it and he goes well what if i can get luke bryan to cut it and i was like okay yeah if luke bryan wants it he can have it and i walked out no big deal we'll see you later jd funny and we go on the road, and I was actually with Muscadine, and we went to my mom's house because we were back down in, like, Florida for the run. And instead of getting a hotel, we just stayed. We all stayed at my mom's place. And I remember we were fishing that morning, and I got a call from JD. And he was like, hey, man, you're not going to believe this, but you just got a Luke Bryan hold. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, that was my song. I told you that was my song. And he goes, you said I could pitch it if it was Luke Bryan. I said, I didn't think you'd actually do it, man. <laughs> and uh, it, I guess there's like some, uh, the, the way the story went is it, it, is it kind of goes down that I was, because JD said, he always said I was the only person in Nashville that got upset that I got a Luke Bryan hold. And I wasn't upset. I was just like, what the heck, man? Yeah. But yeah, he, he ended up not, not cutting it. And so I got to cut it and I did the project. I did that with Jonathan Singleton and, and we got to do a bunch of stuff together. So it was just like a really, really great thing that happened. It just opened but so many doors. I think it says something about you, you betting on yourself too and being like, I, this is something I want to, I want to say, like I can do this. Yeah, man. Well, I think so much of that is part of this whole thing. Like if you're going to be at the end of the day, you know, you can only make so many logical decisions. At some point, you have to decide what you're going to lean on. And it's like, it's not always going to make sense, every decision that you make. But it's like, if you really do believe that what you're doing is worth listening to, you know, I've always said, like, if you want to get a management company or a label or whoever to invest in you, and like, you look at what's required, it's like, say it's a million dollars to get you, say that's what it is total to get all your stuff taken care of, album, radio, whatever, promo. If it costs a million dollars, ask yourself, if you had a million dollars, would you sink every bit of it into your project? And if the answer is no, then you need to work on that project. You know what I mean? And I think that was a thing for me. I always gauged it as being like, would I put my own million dollars into this before I ask somebody else to do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's part of the whole thing of getting your head, like kind of getting your head in the place of being like, yeah, I believe in what I'm doing. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe in a million dollars worth or $2 million worth. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of getting your head in the right place, you and I have something in common in that we do the, we're both no, not drinkers anymore. Yes. How yeah. important was the, was the sobriety thing for you? Like, do you think you'd be able to do, do what you're doing now and what you've been able to do the last few years without making that like 
if you were still still drinking, like how important is having that clear head as a as a writer, as a dad, as a husband, as a as a musician, an artist, like everyday life, just how how big has that been for you over the last few years? I mean, I'm sure you see that. I yeah. mean, that's like I'll tell you right now, I that was the first thing I thought. Well, there are two things I thought when I quit drinking. I quit drinking and then I remember I had a hundred dollar bill folded up in my wallet and I remember like a month later it was still there. So I wasn't you know, and if you're drinking, that goes away in a night. Oh, yeah. Right. So I was like, whoa, I'm not going to be completely broke forever. You know what I mean? And and then the second thing I noticed was once I started getting to do all the stuff that I was doing, like driving for Gary and Charlie and, and doing all this stuff that just was so taxing and required so much of you that I wanted to do, I would not, like at the state that I was in when I was drinking the way I was, it just wouldn't have ever work. Man, because I was so unhealthy, man. I was like sniffing 300 pounds, like... My hangovers were vicious. It was like just such a dark place for me. Yeah. And I was just really dealing with a lot of demons. Like, and and that wasn't, you know, and that was one of the, the biggest ones. And it was causing its own issues too. So it was like, that's got to go, you know. And I'm, I'm really thankful for everything that happened to get me to the, the headspace that I needed to quit. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have been, I'm just not that guy, man. I'm not the guy to be able to kind of just kind of take that do that lightly yeah especially like with what i do and the way i choose to do things i'm, I'm lean and mean you know i learned yeah. that from gary and charlie so it's like i'm driving most of the way everywhere and you know i'm doing as much as i can myself and it's like if you're trying to you know recover from a hangover you're not gonna be able to do all that stuff much less be a husband and a dad yeah and you know try to go to the gym and you know have other things going on and write songs and do that whole thing like what everybody does i'm just not the guy who's able to do that and then add you know half a bottle of jack daniels to it yeah was it was it tough to do you remember the first time you played sober yeah it was whiskey jam yeah i remember that's a tough place to play so when you're used to just going in there yeah. and and especially back then when the drinks were as cheap as they were yeah like yeah. that was that was the spot where you'd, you'd rage on a monday or a thursday night yeah, and, you know, you think about, like, the fact that, like, performance, like, at that time, like, even writing, like, I would get drunk before we wrote to try and, I thought I had to, you know, or I would get drunk before I went on stage or a buzz before I went on stage to, to you know, calm the jitters. And uh, I was nervous, for sure, but I remember once we got through it, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I got it. It'll be It'll be all good. You know what I mean? It's like... I think I had the wherewithal to be like, if I felt like I performed worse, it was just because I was more aware. And it's like, if I was flat on that chorus or if I was whatever, it yeah. was because I actually noticed it. Because probably, you know, if I was drunk, I would have still been flat. I just wouldn't have noticed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just stuff like that. And you can actually build off that because you're thinking critically and you're doing that whole thing. And you're not, uh, not not to say that drinking's bad. It's just it was for me, and so it's it was like, for me too, man. It's like right. an allergy almost. Like, yeah, hundred like percent. Just something you can't like. Just something I I can't handle. You no, know, hundred percent, man. Because there are people who do it steady. Yeah, man, oh, yeah. And that they can just they can just do it, and yeah. it's and it's fine for them if it's fine for them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I, that's so much of that is like a personal, you know, decision. But I mean, it's like if it works for somebody and they can have it in their life and it's beneficial which it can be good for them. Yeah. For me, it was the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back on the, on the old days too, obviously I've gotten, gotten close with some of your old housemates, Mr. Yeah. We call it. So Ryan, Ryan came out, Ryan Nelson. We have a joke. We're going to, we're going to make him 
run a, a mayoral campaign, Mayor Ryan <laughs> Nelson. Nelson. <laughs> and like he'll come because he did a lot of shows out with uh, Trey last year. Yeah. So like we brought him out and. He had different personalities. Like one day he was Randy Nelson, the next day he was Ronnie Nelson, then he was Ricky Nelson, the the dirt track driver, like <laughs> all kinds Ricky of different Nelson. stuff. So to us, he we call him like the way I describe Ryan is that he is the the definition of of what a Florida man is. Now, if you look yeah. at if you were to describe a Florida man to somebody, if someone were to ask you like finding out you're from you're from Duval, you're from Jacksonville, yeah, what is what are the like the big characteristics of a Florida man? What makes someone a Florida? I would man? say they gotta have long hair, uh, cut off dickies, thigh tattoos, and be kind of scary sometimes. I think that's what it is. What is the Florida man cigarette of choice? Um, probably a Marlboro. Marlboro light or a Marlboro special. Oh, the specials because they want to save the extra fifty cents on. Yeah, the I think it's a special blend, and I take that. I'm stealing that from from Ryan's brother, Colin, because Colin's Colin, as much. Colin's he, still in Florida, so yeah, he's he extra is. Florida. I would think. I think. Yeah, I think there's a like a characteristic of being from Florida is you, you can sometimes make people nervous because you just kind of have a little bit of a wild hair. You know what I mean? Um, and I take pride in that. I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully I don't make too many people nervous if I ever no, do. No, no, no. But I do <laughs> think there is like a characteristic of maybe it's just because of what Florida is or whatever, you know, because it's always kind of like the butt of the joke, but it's always still kind of like yeah. a little nervous. You know? Best, best. And I know I know hurricanes are nothing to joke about and stuff's uh -huh. been crazy. I, every, it seems like every couple of years you guys get hit with a really big one. Yeah. But best hurricane party story because i know hurricane parties are a real thing ryan's told me about them. i'm sure you and ryan oh, yeah, have done hurricane parties together man i remember there would be times where uh i don't remember yeah we would just go get a bunch of alcohol and just party because where we were it just it never so i mean there's a lot of water because we were near the river so it would get get high and, and sometimes it would flood a little bit but we were fortunate to be kind of in a higher area, like in that area, North Florida. Um, and generally when hurricanes would come, as we've seen, like they'll skirt the coast and kind of shoot off right around like Daytona and like then come back in and hit in the Carolinas. Yeah. So we honestly have kind of always been in like a sweet spot to where it doesn't directly nail us uh, being in Jacksonville. Uh, it'll If it's on the East Coast, but if it's yeah. Gulf, like we've seen that too, or it's just on all that crazy stuff. Anytime it goes on the Gulf Coast, it's just such a disaster. But yeah, it was never like, I say I say this, I, I know a lot of people have lost a lot, but like compared to like what you've seen, like with yeah. Ian and all that other stuff, it's like not that catastrophic to where, you know, um, obviously I think pe people should be safe. Um but we were just, you know, we were dumb and 18 and partying in the garage. We, yeah, we partied. <laughs> I remember we used to go take this like uh, makeshift skeet shooter down to the end of our buddy's dock and just shoot skeet and like, you know, kind of party that way. I mean, now that I say it out loud, it's super irresponsible. <laughs> Because it's, like, illegal, obviously. Yeah. You're just shooting into, like, the river. You Is know this what I mean? While the storm's coming in? Um, no, I think that was afterwards or something. I like, remember it not being chaotic, but okay. I do remember we would, that would be all part of the whole, cause it was a multi-day yeah, kind of I remember, I'm, I've heard a, a story from Ryan about one night where you guys had a, had a very like crazy experience where you guys, I think were having to hide somewhere. You oh guys weren't doing gosh. anything you weren't supposed to. It's a night with a truck. So speaking of quitting drinking, the day I quit drinking, this happened. Okay. 
And um, it's such a and and like Ryan's got like two of those stories because you know that one time they got shot at too while they were driving here. In yeah, Nashville. that was a weird dude. That was like a weird time. It was like within months of each other. But like what happened with us was I quit drinking Christmas Eve. Christmas Day was my like Christmas Eve was my last time drinking, and then Christmas Day I was like, that's um, it, fresh start. Yeah, and I remember that night going over because we would always go over to ryan's parents house to like that's where we all got together because like chris ryan our buddy chaz like they we all lived like within an hour like within a, like a mile of each other chaz yeah. was literally my neighbor and then like so we would all go over to one person's house and like i went over to ryan's and everybody was like hang in and i was like guys i quit and blah blah, blah. and i was like okay cool blah, blah blah you know and so we were having just like a night like like normal and i was like just trying it out being sober and i remember it got like two in the morning I was sober as sober as a judge, and we were just like walking around the neighborhood after like the party had died down, and Ryan and I were just talking like we always would, just talk about industry, whatever. Yep. And I remember we were just like sitting on the front of his neighborhood, which was right on State Road 13, and it was super foggy that 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 night. Like you couldn't see, like I wouldn't be able to see your oven over there. It was so foggy, and I remember this like a car would come every like 15 minutes and we're just sitting there talking, just talking shop. I mean, two in the morning. And I remember seeing like this glow come and we'd see it, you know, headlights come through. And then after a while, I remember seeing this, uh, one car move kind of slow and it was like kind of cruising through. It was probably going, you know, 40 or 45. And I just remember seeing that and it was kind of a sketchy looking car. It looks like it'd been like faded. It was like blue at one point, but it was like faded gray. And it was like, oh, yeah. like this, like this SUV and like, it, like the rear shocks were like completely bottomed out. Like it was just like not well taken care of something you would notice, you know yeah. what I mean? And it, it, it like had all these like sap stains from like being just under a tree for years or whatever. So it's just like this pretty bad looking vehicle. Yeah. And I remember uh they drove by and i just noticed it and like neither one of us said anything about it we were just kind of talking but if you take you go down 13 and then you kind of take this loop you can be back in about 10 15 minutes and i remember about 15 minutes later slow lights were coming from the same direction and they were going about 30 and uh 25 or 30 considerably slower and they drove by us and we were talking around right we were talking and I, we both looked over at it and we stopped and I looked at Ryan and Ryan looked at me, he goes, should we run? And I was like, for whatever reason, I don't know. Like, that's not a normal thing to say in a normal situation. No, hey, should we run? It's like, no, I'm not going to run. No, but we both, he looked at me, he goes, should we run? And I looked at, I looked over there and like right at that moment, that car turned into a neighborhood and hit its reverse lights. And I said, yeah, we should run. And so we took off down into his neighborhood, took the first left and then the first house on the left. So like, just like the first place that we could find cover. Because we just, I don't know, it was just like going with your gut, just being like, this is bad news, man. This is on Christmas? Yeah, it was Christmas Day. And so, um, like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, man, so they're definitely coming back. And it's like, like you know your buddies by their vehicles. And I was like, man, none of our buddies drive that car. Our buddies would have hollered out the window. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's not like, it was, it just didn't make any sense. You know what I mean? And so, like, we ran over and we get to this house and they have this, like, big car hauler. Like there's enclosed like three axle car haulers in his driveway and it's parked right up to his garage. And so like we run around this thing and we're just kind of standing there. And I remember seeing the because the fog was so dense, you could see the lights over the pine trees. And so you just see it take a left slowly into Ryan's neighborhood and takes another left and you hear it go into the grass and stop. Lights go off. Car turns off. You hear the doors open and you hear people start like multiple footsteps. 
walking through. St. Augustine grass is, is, is like really rough and crunchy. You can yeah. hear it. And so like you hear him walking through. And I remember sitting, I was, I was standing here and Ryan was like crouched back here. He could kind of see through like the crack, like right where the, the trailer was parked and the, and the, I just realized how long the story is. Yeah. But in no, the, you're good. In no, the garage. I'm... And uh, he's standing there and there's like this pile of bricks and Ryan's got a brick in his hand. And we're like straight up fight or flight. Like we're cornered. Like it was freaky, man. And I remember standing there sober and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, what a hell of a day to get sober. Like good <laughs> night. And so I, uh, I'm standing there and I hear these people walk and Ryan says like afterwards we were talking about it and he said there was someone like just like right there like just right on the other side of that trailer and it's multiple people. And I remember being like, somebody's walking around here and I was like, I am a grown man. I'm assuming these are grown people. I'm going to talk about this. I don't hide. It's like, what's the problem here? That's, that's where my head was. I just remember being like, forget this. I'm not, I'm not afraid. Literally started walking. Like I was about to walk and come out from behind the trailer. And it was like, God was like, nah, dude like a physical reaction. Like I'd never felt darkness like that, like a real darkness before in my life. I was like, whatever's on the other side of this trailer has no good intention for me. And I just remember we just stayed put. And um, I guess at some point they, they, they skirted out because I remember just being like, after a while we kind of didn't hear anything. We kind of peeked around and uh, yeah, they were gone. But it was crazy. We were yeah. hunted. I, I, I think that's what it was. Which is just absurd for a Christmas, just hanging out with your buddy yeah. in his neighborhood. Yeah, Merry Christmas. What are you guys? Have been? Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. No, it was crazy, bro. It was. Uh, yeah, sorry for that fifteen minute no, long dude, story. We love the we yeah. love the the stories like that, dude. Yeah, man. It was it was uh, it was it was horrifying. You know what I mean? Like I never, because I'm not a fighter. I never no, got in fights. No. You know what I mean? Not even like growing up, I never got in fights. Like I don't know. I've just never been somebody. I mean, I've also never been like. Nobody's like run up on me trying to fight before. Yeah. And so I was sitting there, I was like, man, is this going to be like, is this like the one? Like, am I going to fight out of here? My, my first day sober. Yeah, my first day sober. <laughs> with Ryan? Yeah, with Ryan. Hiding behind a car. Yeah, with a brick. I mean, you got pretty good odds at that point. You yeah, know what Ryan, I mean? with Ryan and a brick. Yeah, Ryan's got a brick. We fight our way out of it. We'll be all right. Yeah. No, but I don't know. It just seemed pretty, pretty, pretty dark. You know what I mean? Just like the whole thing felt just like there was like, some yeah. pretty evil intentions behind. Yeah, well, the the world is it works in mysterious ways, and the, yeah, the good lord freaky. the good lord has a plan for everybody. Man. Yeah, yeah. So do, I'm do still you, here. Yeah, you you feel like like a lot of what you've done, like your relationship with with God. I know I know you're you're a 100%. religious guy and stuff. Yeah, did absolutely. a lot of that come from sobriety? Or have you had that for a I, long time? I grew, grew up, up in the church, and uh, I grew up Baptist, um, and you know I think it's. I think that was a, a big part of me, like being able to kind of go to, you know, prayer, the Bible, whenever I was in trials and stuff like that, you know, with dad passing when I was young, you know, it's just like you, you kind of have to approach that one way or another. And it's like, for me, it was kind of, that was always a part of my life. I, I, I like, to be fair, I haven't lived right, you know, but I don't know if anybody does, but it's always been just such a big source of kind of grounding for me. You know what I mean? Just having that as a reality, you know, having faith. Yeah. But yeah, it's like without that, none of this would have happened. I mean, cause you know, the industry is all about, you know, I mean, skills second. If, if that, everything else is like opportunities at hand. Cause I'm not the best writer or singer or player or whatever. And it's like, I got, I've got more than a lot of folks, 
you know, and, and, and I can't take credit for that. So there's been a lot given to me for one reason or another. Yeah, it's like the the song, it's like, it was funny looking back on the on the Mion story about you as a writer, and then it's you fast forward during COVID, one of the first Zoom writes that you have during COVID in that time is, right. is better than me. With, yeah, yeah. With Gary and Charlie and Ray and, and Riley and, yeah. and Randy Owen getting on that. And, that was crazy. So that got cut twice. Like right after uh, we finished it, Riley put it on an acoustic project. Yeah. Um, and then it got recorded again and he had Randy Owen sing on it. And it was like, holy smokes, that was my first major label cut ever. And for it to be with a guy like like Riley that you've known for a while, and it's yeah. like all all five of you guys have, have known each other for the some for of the so best long. dudes. Yeah, yeah. It's just like really cool that that is how that worked. Cause it's like some of some some of my best friends in the industry, you know what I mean? And and they've all been really integral in me getting to do what I do, but also, you know, keeping it you know fun to where it's not all industry like those are people that i really consider friends which yeah. is cool now let's talk about the jordan fletcher single at radio right now yeah yeah, yeah. is it still is it uh rather rather be broke so death and taxes death and taxes excuse me yeah 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 was, so, was rather was rather be broke on was that out were you doing radio tour with that at all because i feel like no were, it just no? It, it was uh it streamed well it got a lot of uh good exposure um the highway like really spun it like they made it like stormy and buzz baby oh dude jr is the dude man good folks over there all those guys were you know they they were a huge part in that and um we we ran we've been uh we ran death and taxes to radio and man it's been a crazy year you know what i mean so it's been fun um yeah it's uh it's cool that i'm i'm getting to do this i mean because this is what you come here for yeah that's what you moved to nashville to do yeah, amen. And for it to be a song like for it to be the the first song on on the project on on chapter one, which is yeah. the stuff that you learned from your dad that you're passing down to your little one. Like, yeah, man. That's just such a cool. That's so cool to see it be at radio and and at the level that it's at and be such a personal project for you, man. And like it's the surreal. fans really get people get to really know who Jordan Fletcher is and what yeah. you're all about. And that song I think describes describes you and, and your style so so well, dude. That's a great appreciate first it, single to have there. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's really cool to to well the other the flip side of that though is like um if they don't like it, they don't like you, you know? Yeah, well yeah, there is all that pressure and all all, all that stuff, but I think it's it's a it's a killer it's a killer song, man, and it, and it yeah. and it is very and it's a song people can relate to. I mean, yeah, man, I, I mean, appreciate death, that. Death and taxes, and, and the things you learn from the from from your parents or, or guardians, the things that your father says. Yeah, man. Now, real quick, a couple couple last questions. I know we got to wrap up here. Um, favorite band out of Jacksonville: uh, Leonard Skinner, Molly Hatchet, or Limp Biscuit? Dang, dude. Can. <laughs> uh, can I have a tie? I mean, it depends on what's going on. Like I'm always like, like, dude, Leonard Skinner is like the, obvious. The gods, yeah. You can't not love Leonard. Like, like being from Jacksonville. Like, yeah, Skinner's, you know, Skinner. But Limp Biscuit, bro. Like, <laughs> dude, I like anytime. I don't know if it's because it's in the water or something. I know some people make fun, but dude, I love Limp. Oh, dude, butt rock is my favorite. Dude, Fred Durst, bro. Yeah, rock, yeah, rock music from like 1998 to like 2006 was just straight fire. Dude, 100%. So actually, here's a fun fact. I used to take drum lessons from this guy named Rick Kirkland. And Rick Kirkland, he was doing adjunct uh, teaching at JU, Jacksonville University. And I was just taking class. Just I was wanting to learn how to play jazz because I've been playing drums forever. 
And he actually, John Otto, which is Limp Bizkit's drummer, yeah. took lessons from him. And he told me he remembers when John Otto was like, yo, man, because he was like, I guess he was classically trained, like doing like jazz. Like yeah. he was doing jazz in school. Like he was going to be a performing uh, dude with that. And he was like, man, this band's taking off. What should I do? And like he remembers like coming to him and he's like, well, you should, you know, follow whatever, you know. And he went with Limp Bizkit and they became, you know. Limp Bizkit. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty sick. So I'm one uh, one person away from John Otto is basically what I'm saying. That's a big deal. I'm basically Limp, you know what I mean? I'm basically Fred Durst. Yeah. yeah. I just bought We did, um, did you see we did a butt rock night? I did see that. Everything did, but rock? Everything, everything. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, well, yeah, it was called, we called it, um, yeah, everything but rock night. Um, or nothing but rock mm. is what we called it. Mm -hmm. And we had like different country artists come up and do butt rock songs. We had our buddies, Dean and Mikey. Yeah, um, dude. I saw Jordan Rager was up yeah, on Jordan that Jordan Rager got up there. He sang Lips of an Angel. Dude, I we love We had, that. um, who the heck did, I think it was, do you know Stephen Carey? Yeah. So Stephen sang. He wrote um, on Rather Be Broke. Yeah. He, um, he did, um, Break Stuff. Oh, at rock night. So yes. there's video of it somewhere, but we'll have to let you know when we're doing butt rock night again. Dude, hundred percent. It's me, me and Nick. It's a raised rowdy in the round like joint venture that we do, and it's we're doing it um, ne next year for Nikki T's birthday. Dude, so, I'm doing it's, it. it's just a house band, just and you and you just hop up there and sing, I'm sing in. your favorite rock song from circa 1998 to like 2006. Dude, I, I've already, I think I've already got it. Well, no, is that butt rock? I'll, I'll have to What's think. The, on what it. what do you what, what song? I don't know. I kind of want to do like a Weezer song, but that's not butt rock. Yeah, that's a little. That bit. doesn't count. It's like Nickel. The Godfather's like Nickelback, yeah. Creed. I have to. I have to do biscuit, some thinking. Hinder higher, dude. Do you remember when Creed did the <laughs> Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> dude, we love Creed. Dude, we watched that, dude. The other day, we watched that, and dude, the thing that got me, because dude, love Creed. Yeah. The dude flying, the acrobatics dude. Yeah. If you watch the video, there is a dude, shaved head, shirtless, doing straight up Barnum and Bailey's, like <laughs> flying across the whole stadium. I was like, dude, this is perfect. Yeah. Like second to the most recent one, yeah. like the most recent halftime show, hands yeah. down. Yeah, it was It was. looking back, that that is a that is a top one. And I feel like there's a butt rock comeback right now. Nickelback. That just announced a new tour. Oh, did they? They're coming out. Yeah, they're playing shows again Thank and you. and going around. So, so yeah. Um, better food, uh, Florida or Nashville? Um, if you're a seafood guy, I feel like it's obvious. Yeah, but. Florida, man. Like, and my favorite restaurants are in. There's there's one place in Nashville that I couldn't get in Florida, and that's Tacos y Mariscos, dude. They're street tacos. Yeah, everybody's got a store. new everybody's got a different favorite like Mexican place in town or a different yeah, taco man. spot. Well, dude, it's just got there's like the authentic Mexican food here is just so good. Because then you because I, I was thinking like when I went to California, I was like, man, surely I'll get a lot. Because that was like what I was told. Like California, yeah, we got best tacos in California. But it's all kind of like Tex Mex. It's like the flour tortillas and like fruit and stuff and, and all that. And it's like that's good. But like for me. The tacos that I could eat 15 of are just the street tacos. The double corn yeah. tortilla, some al pastor, some chopped onions and cilantro. Oh, yeah, the cilantro is key. Oh, we're in business, dude. Yeah. Like, right, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get poke and get some tacos. <laughs> Let's man. go. I'm just going <laughs> to empty out the bank account for lunch. <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. That's what we're we're big we're big Mexican food guys as yeah, well dude, over here. That's so. great. That's badass, man. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming in 
coming and hanging and uh you you ready for next year to be doing because we're coming up at the end of this year you feeling feeling good about going into 2023 yeah man we got a ton coming a lot of music we got a lot of music we got that whole album that we we did with with dave and uh it's going to be released in one way or another you know um throughout the year and we've got even more stuff than that too so oh. one one I'm last excited. thing how long how many years you been in nashville now coming up on seven so what would you tell yourself uh, if you got to tell yourself something from like seven and a half years ago like you're down in florida you have some buddies that are getting ready to move up here like ryan and, and all those guys what would you tell that that kid that back in the day drinking yeah still getting after it like playing drums not knowing what's in store for him coming to nashville yeah i would uh Man, I would tell I would tell him to probably hang up the drinking early, and I would probably tell him to start taking vocal lessons. <laughs> I think that's what I tell him because <laughs> it's like, bro, this stuff's tough. Singing is hard, man. Yeah, I've been taking vocal lessons for a couple of years now, and it has been a game changer. But because up until that point, it was just like, just just like so much wear and tear, and like you know. There's such a big difference between having any, like having technique of some sort and then not. Yeah. And I didn't for the longest time. And now I'm kind of like developing a style and oh, a yeah, technique dude. and it's like sustainable. So like, I guess practically speaking, there's that and don't, don't drink anymore. You know, that's probably it. Yeah. And the, and the good things will be coming. Yeah. I probably, I probably wouldn't want to give it all away. Cause otherwise yeah. then I oh, probably the, wouldn't try it. The enjoyment of it. Yeah. 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 I probably <laughs> now knowing me, I would have been like, Oh, if it's going to happen, then no problem. And I would just wouldn't have tried, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. man, uh, dude, this has been great. Thanks for having me on. Dude, this. it's been a, been a pleasure and, uh, great, great catching up with you. It's been, uh, been too damn long. Well guys, be sure to check out our boy, Jordan Fletcher. Uh, be sure to, request at your radio stations all of our folks around the country watching this listening to this death and taxes it's at radio right now uh the project chapter one uh the full project coming next year our boy jordan Fle jordan fletcher one of my favorite guys here in nashville tennessee big thanks to jordan for joining us be sure to check out our friends at whale tail media saxman studios and our boy mitch wallace with the digital marketing agency also be sure to rate subscribe like tell your mama and them uh and of course as always we appreciate you checking out the In The Round podcast. For my boy, sweet boy behind the camera and our whole team, I'm Matt Brill, and this has been the In The Round podcast.